Good afternoon. We're going to go ahead and get started. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to YSI's webinar, Monitoring Oxidation Reduction Potential, or ORP, in Biological Nutrient Removal. I'm Shannon Miller, the MARCOM Coordinator for the Process Segment here at YSI. And joining me today are Laura St. Pierre, YSI Product Segment Manager, and Ben Barker, YSI Applications Engineer. Laura has worked at YSI for 17 years and is responsible for developing new products, recommending equipment based on application needs, conducting training seminars, and technical writing. And Ben has recently joined our team but has worked at YSI for over two years and provides application support and conducts technical trainings. Please note that this webinar will be recorded and we'll share a copy of the recording in a post-webinar care package. If you experience any issues during the webinar, let us know in the chat on the sidebar and feel free to ask questions as we go along. Just try not to use the hand raise function because we can address your questions more quickly in the chat. We'll have some time to address those at the end. We're glad you could join us today. Now I'm going to turn it over to Laura. Thanks, Shannon. Hello, everyone, and thank you for attending today's webinar on ORP monitoring in wastewater treatment facilities, also known as, or better known as, water resource recovery facilities. Just a quick note, we will be conducting a short poll uh, midway through the webinar, just a one quick one question poll. Um, so please take a moment to answer the question and we will share the results with you at the end of the webinar. We also have a short survey at the end of the webinar. Please take some time to give us your feedback. We would really appreciate it. This helps us plan for future educational webinars. And one last thing before we get started, we may experience audio issues on our end during the webinar. If it does happen, the delay will be short. It usually only lasts for a few seconds. If this happens, we're, mod we're, we're moderating it or we're monitoring it, so if this happens, We'll pause the presentation and wait for GoToWebinar to start broadcasting the audio again. So hang tight. If we go quiet for a couple seconds, we'll wait for the uh, GoTo to catch up. Now on to today's topics. Ben and I will be reviewing these main topics on ORP. First, I will review the science of ORP. Then I will review several common applications for ORP monitoring and water resource recovery facilities and how ORP could be used as a substitute for other parameters. Next, I will cover the sensor technology that is available for monitoring ORP. Then Ben will, will review a few specific case studies and he'll go over some recommendations for proper sensor care. And finally, we'll go over um, some parting thoughts. So with how fast I talk, there would definitely be time at the end for questions. So please send us your questions and we will address them as best we can. If we can't provide an answer to your question during the webinar, we will follow up with you afterward. Before I move on to the next slide, I'd like to discuss these pictures. The top right image is a picture of an intermittent aeration system, better known as a sequencing batch reactor or shortened to SBR. SBRs are prime uh, applications for our monitoring, as you will see in some of our examples. ORP is also applicable to continuous flow systems, and we will review those applications as well. 
The data graph at the bottom of this slide is a SCADA screenshot from a different SBR, or intermittent aeration system. And this SBR is using ORP to control aeration. Um, the blue line is airflow. Um, the red line here, let's see if I can get my cursor to work. The red line here is ORP. And the green trending line is dissolved oxygen. You can see the interaction between ORP, dissolved oxygen, and airflow. As airflow is turned on, you can see the increase in both ORP and dissolved oxygen measurements. And then when air is turned off at the end of the cycle, both the dissolved oxygen and ORP measurements decrease. If you look a bit closer, you will also notice the measurement ranges of these two parameters differ by two orders of magnitude. The ORP measurement range is 280 millivolts, ranging, ranging from negative 140 to positive 140, while the dissolved oxygen range is 2.9 ppm, from 0 to 2.9. By having a larger measurement range, ORP can give more insight into the biological processes taking place at the facility um, than a dissolved oxygen measurement could. And we're gonna demonstrate this later on. Okay, before we go any further into the application of ORP, let's take a step back and review the basic science of ORP. Okay, before we get to the potential part of it, uh, let's just review the first question, which is, what is an oxidation reduction reaction or redox reaction? Well, a redox reaction or oxidation reduction reaction is a type of chemical reaction that involves a transfer of electrons between two species. I think transfer is a nice way to put it. I prefer the term steel. So in other words, in an oxidation reduction or redox reaction, one atom or compound which will steal electrons from another atom or compound. A classic example of a redox reaction is rusting. When rusting happens, oxygen steals electrons from iron. Oxygen gets reduced while iron gets oxidized. And, you know, it's worth noting oxygen is a great oxidizer. Um, and we use it a lot in wastewater treatment. And we'll we will review why uh, oxygen is set up to be such a great oxidizer uh, in a couple slides. So reduction is the process of gaining one or more electrons, and oxidation is the process of losing one or more electrons. So how do we remember which is which? Well, one way to remember the reaction is with the mnemonic Leo goes grr. Loss of electrons is oxidation. Gain of electrons is reduction. But, you know, it makes logical sense, too. If we're gaining electrons, we're gaining a negative charge, which would be a reduction. But Leo is pretty cute, um, so we have our little lion, little Leo the lion with a little grr to help us remember. The next question to answer is why are redox reactions important in wastewater treatment? Well, Redox reactions, the reactions that transfer electrons, are important in wastewater treatment because they help the bacteria grow. Let's review the four things required for bacteria to grow because growing bugs are happy bugs and we all want to keep our bugs growing. 
The most obvious needs are carbon and nutrients. Bacteria needs carbon and nutrients to build more bacteria. But they can't do this without energy. And the less obvious need is that we need reducing power or the ability to transfer electrons because this reducing power helps the bacteria unlock the energy. The reason is that a lot of energy is there in forms um, that the bacteria uh, can't directly make into new bugs. So they need a way to transform it into a suitable energy form and the redox reactions accomplish this. So bugs get energy and reducing power from oxidation reduction reactions or the transfer of electrons. This chart reviews several treatment functions of a water resource recovery facility with the corresponding energy source and reducing power listed. The electron, the electron donor is the energy source and the electron acceptor is the reducing power. So the electron acceptor is what is stealing electrons. You'll, note, you'll also notice that uh, BOD and nitrification share the same electron acceptor, oxygen, but differ, different electron donors while denitrification and fermentation have the same electron donor, carbon, but different electron acceptors. By monitoring the ORP of wastewater, an operator can determine what biological reaction is occurring and if the conditions should be changed to, to promote or prevent um, that reaction. So as I mentioned, oxygen is a great oxidizer and it serves an important function and wastewater treatment. So let's take a moment to review what makes it such, an, such a good electron acceptor or oxidizer. And if you look at this graphic of an oxygen atom, you can see that it has two empty electron places in its outer shell. And if you remember from science class, atoms prefer or want to have a full outer shell of electrons. Oxygen has six, but wants eight. So oxygen is on the hunt to steal two electrons to fill its outer ring. And this is what makes oxygen such an excellent electron acceptor or oxidant. Okay, so now we know what a redox reaction is, the transfer of electrons, and that these reactions are important in wastewater treatment because they help Okay. We had a little break in the audio. Okay. Um, so what does oxidation reduction potential measurement have to do with it? So we understand the reaction now, what it is and why it's important. Um, but what does the potential measurement have? Uh, how does the potential measurement relate to it? Well, measuring oxidation reduction potential indicates the water's relative state to receive or gain electrons. A high ORP value would indicate a higher ability to accept electrons, meaning that there are a lot of oxidizers present. A low ORP value would indicate a lower ability to accept electrons, meaning that there are less oxidizers present and there may be also some reducing agents there. 
it's important understanding the water's electron donating ability will tell us a lot about the state of the process. So let's review this picture of a conventional activated sludge treatment facility as an example. On the right side, we have the aerated zone, referred to as the oxic or aerobic. In this part of the treatment process, we have a lot of electron acceptors, with oxygen being very good at accepting electrons. Since we have a lot of electron acceptors or good oxidizers, we would measure a high positive ORP measurement in this area of the facility. In other words, this water has high potential to accept electrons, resulting in a high ORP reading. The higher the ORP value, the higher the oxidizing power of the water or ability to accept electrons. On the left side, we have the non-aerated zone, either anoxic or anaerobic. We don't know. Here we have less electron acceptors, so we would measure lower, maybe even negative ORP values in this zone because this water has a lower potential to accept electrons. If this zone is anoxic, then nitrate is available to accept electrons during the denitrification process. If this zone is anaerobic, then there is no oxygen or nitrate present, so there would be very few electron acceptors here, maybe carbon or sulfate, and we would see even lower ORP millivolt readings in the anaerobic zone. Let's talk a bit more about ORP, or measuring uh, the electron donating ability. Um, by taking a look at the electron tower graphic on this slide, the electron tower arranges redox couples from most negative, uh, the electron donors at the top, to the most positive, the electron acceptors like oxygen at the bottom. The column on the right is the absolute reduction potential for each of these electron couples. Electrons are donated from the top of the tower and can be caught by acceptors at various levels in the tower. The greater the fall, the greater the energy produced. So let's walk through some examples to help illustrate this. Let's take a look at when glucose is oxidized with oxygen. When this reaction takes place, 1.2 volts of energy is made available. This is similar to what happens in BOD removal, where oxygen is the acceptor. With denitrification and no oxygen present, nitrate becomes the electron acceptor, so glucose doesn't fall as far, and therefore this reaction generates less energy at 0.8 volts. So again, the energy yield is greater when oxygen is the acceptor, and bacteria is going to use oxygen when it is available, and then the ORP value is going to be higher. The denitrification stage without oxygen will have a lower ORP value. In the third example, fermentation, organic carbon is the electron donor and acceptor, so very little energy is available, and the ORP values would be very low and negative here in this uh, part of the process. Sounds complicated a bit, maybe? It is, um, if we let it, or we can just keep it super simple if we just focus on the fact that we are measuring electrons and their potential. And if you just focus on the ORP millivolt scale, 
this means that a more oxidizing agent like oxygen means that you will have a higher positive ORP value. More reducing agent or less oxidizing agent, you're going to have a lower and maybe even negative ORP value. And we'll review some of these ranges uh, shortly. Um, another reason why this is, uh, you know, simple, more simple than it sounds um, is that we can, because we can, we can monitor uh, ORP with an ORP sensor, which is very similar to a pH sensor, a sensor that you have been using for many years. So it's really easy to transfer the knowledge of uh, what you had to do with the pH sensor to an ORP sensor. They're actually even a little bit easier to use because they don't require as frequent calibration. But here on the left is a diagram of a pH electrode where the reference electrode and measuring electrodes are both The measuring electrode is an ion selective electrode, in this case, selective to hydrogen because it is a pH sensor, right? Uh, both electrodes have electrolyte reservoirs and reference junctions. The reference electrode is designed to measure a constant potential that doesn't change with the sample. The measuring electrode's potential or signal does change with the sample. The difference in electrical potentials between these two electrodes produces a millivolt signal that is converted to a pH reading using the Nernst equation. This diagram on the left depicts two half cells to make it easier to explain the relationship between the two electrodes. However, it is worth noting that almost all modern day ISEs, including pH electrodes, are combination electrodes like the electrode depicted in the center diagram. A combination electrode means that it contains both the measuring electrode and reference electrode in one sensor body. So ORP is similar to a pH electrode and then it uses a reference electrode, a reference junction, electrolyte, and a measuring electrode. In addition, ORP also provides a millivolt value based on the different electrical signals or potentials coming from the measuring and reference electrodes. The big difference is that ORP reports the raw millivolt value, where, as I mentioned before, the pH sensor applies that raw signal to the Nernst equation to report pH units. The ORP electrode uh, shown in this slide is the YSI IQ SensorNet ORP electrode for continuous monitoring, and it is of the, that combination style. Uh, the measuring electrode for this sensor is a platinum band. Platinum works well as an ORP electrode because it has the ability to both donate and accept electrons without participating in the reaction. Because of that, platinum is commonly used as a measuring electrode for ORP. Gold is another common electrode for ORP measurement. Okay, so with the, the science part of this webinar covered a lot. Uh, we now have a, have a refresher on what a redox reaction is, um, why redox reactions are required in wastewater treatment process. We have some common wastewater redox reactions and how measuring, uh, and we also reviewed how measuring the water's redox potential can indicate the water's ability to gain electrons. And we all had a brief review of valence electrons with the oxygen atom. That was fun. Um, so let's dig a little deeper 
and discuss some applications for monitoring ORP uh, in water resource recovery facilities. First, let's review the basics of the activated sludge process in wastewater. This basic diagram depicts the activated sludge process and includes a biological tank, which is the aeration basin, and a separation device, uh, in this case, the secondary clarifier, and piping for distribution of wastewater, sludge, and air. As air is injected into the aeration basin to support the metabolism of the microorganisms, which do the bulk of the work, uh, we know this raises the ORP when we add oxygen. As waste is consumed by the organisms, they grow, increase in numbers, which require a portion of them to be removed from the system to prevent overpopulation. The organisms are separated from the treated water and the secondary clarifier and return to the aeration basin to help maintain bacteria in adequate numbers, or uh, it can be wasted to sludge processing. High-level review of the uh, biological tank. Let's uh, Now let's review the secondary treatment process of nitrification and denitrification for biological nutrient removal. Um, so the inlet is on the right side of this graphic, and as wastewater enters the biological tank, we nitrify the ammonia coming in to help satisfy discharge limits for total nitrogen or ammonia. Nitrification is the oxidation of ionized ammonia to first nitrite and then nitrate. This is perf performed by nitrifying bacteria when the ORP value is between positive 100 and positive 350 millivolts. This, the, uh, uh, the water is then recirculated to uh, the denitrification side of the tank so next in the process, denitrification is performed in order to satisfy total nitrogen limits or destroy unwanted uh, organism growth. Um, so we don't have any oxygen on this side of the tank, right? So, nit nit uh, so no oxygen to be the electron acceptor. So with denitrification, we reduce uh, the reduction of nitrate uh, to the molecular uh, nitrogen and is performed by denitrifying bacteria when ORP is between negative 100 and positive 100 millivolts. So I want to review uh, the typical ORP values of the different wastewater treatment or the textbook uh, ORP values of the different wastewater treatment processes. But before I get to that, let's just do a quick review of some, term of some terminology associated with activated uh, with sludge activity. Um, First, the oxic or aerobic zone is the aerated zone. This is where dissolved oxygen is the primary electron acceptor. Then we move to the anoxic zone where there is no dissolved oxygen. In this case, nitrate is the primary acceptor. And lastly, the anaerobic zone uh, where we don't have oxygen or nitrate, so something else like organic carbon or sulfite uh, needs to be the electron acceptor. So now let's re review what ORP tells us about our process. At the bottom of this slide, I have a uh, scale of ORP measurement values ranging from negative 400 to positive 400. Above that line 
I have placed the corresponding dissolved oxygen values for those ORP values. The range of the DO scale is 0 to 2 milligram per liter. Next, I'm going to show you where the oxic, anoxic, and anaerobic zones would be corresponding to both the DO measurement and ORP measurement. Now let's see where some of the wastewater uh, treatment reactions take place. So as we just reviewed in the previous slide, nitrification takes place in the oxic zone when ORP is measuring uh, positive 100 to positive 400. BOD removal takes place in the oxic and anoxic zones. Phosphorus uptake can occur in both the anoxic and oxic zones as well. Denitrification takes place in the anoxic zone where there is no dissolved oxygen and the ORP is measuring between negative uh, 100 and positive 100. Phosphorus release and fermentation take place in the anaerobic zone. And it's important to note that these are published textbook values and the actual values uh, may vary for your plant. Okay, now let's discuss how ORP can be used in place of other sensors. Uh, first, ORP can be used as a substitute for dissolved oxygen. One way to think about it is that an ORP sensor is like a DO sensor that can measure into negative numbers. We have already showed how ORP values correlate to dissolved oxygen measurements uh, in this chart from the previous slide. What the chart doesn't tell you is that it can be very difficult to use dissolved oxygen to determine exactly what's going on in the process, whereas ORP can provide more insight. For example, if we take the condition where dissolved oxygen is above one milligram per liter, this tells us we are in the oxic zone, sure, but we have no insight into the status of the nitrification process. For example, it could be one milligram per liter dissolved oxygen when there is a lot of ammonia in the reactor or very little ammonia remaining in the reactor. Monitoring ORP changes can give us more insight into how far along we are in this nitrification process. Now, take the condition uh, when dissolved oxygen is less than one milligram per liter. In this case, there is no direct meaning uh, from the DO sensor of the status of denitrification. You could have a lot of nitrate or very little nitrate left. By monitoring ORP, we can watch the whole nitrification process and have a better understanding how close we are to our endpoint. Additionally, most dissolved oxygen sensors are uh, only accurate to 0.1 or 0.2. So when you get to this really low end of the measurement range, um, you don't see as much. And the, in the last example, um, I have a dissolved oxygen value of less than 0.1 milligram per liter. In this case, we have other electronic centers like nitrate sulfates and other organics. Okay, um, another way to think about ORP is as a nitrogen sensor. And this makes sense kind of based on what I just told you of, of it working as a DO sensor um, because ORP uh, can indicate what forms of nitrogen are present. Um, as we just reviewed, it can monitor the nitrification and denitrification process so we can follow the forms of nitrogen through the process. As wastewater is coming into the plant, ammonia and TKN will be oxidized 
to to nitrite and nitrate, and this is going to increase the ORP value. So water coming in will have a lower ORP value, um, and as we go through the nitrification process, we're going to see our increase of ORP. Then after, uh, during denitrification and after denitrification, uh, there'll be little uh, to no nitrogen left, and the ORP value will be very low. So ORP can give you an idea of the type of nitrogen available in your system. Uh, what about uh, uh, ORP as a phosphorus sensor or uh, orthophosphate sensor? Well, it can't do that, unfortunately, um, because phosphorus is neither oxidized or reduced during uh, biological pea removal. However, it can tell you when conditions are right for uh, biological uptake and release. Referring to this chart again, uh, ORP can indicate when those conditions are right. Uh, for for uh, bio P removal, so ORP can still be used to control biological phosphorus removal. Okay, um, we are now ready for our poll question. Uh, so you should see it come up on your screen. It's a real quick uh, one question poll. If you could take some time to answer it and we will have those results for you at the end of the webinar so you can see what everyone else is doing too. Okay, we will give it a couple more seconds. I think we still have a couple people still voting. All right, we're going to go ahead and close the poll. Thank you for participating. Um, okay, so once you know what uh, you want to use ORP for, the next step is to decide how you are going to measure it. The traditional way is spot sampling. This pic shows an operator taking a uh, spot check uh, with a portable unit. Typically, the measurement is taken one to two feet below the water surface. The main drawback with all spot sampling strategies is that you don't get a continuous, you don't get continuous ORP data, so you don't get a continuous picture and may miss uh, important details or upset events. Um, there is also uh, the option to do continuous online monitoring, and this will allow you to see the full picture of what's going on in your process. If you're planning to measure ORP for process control purposes, I would highly recommend using continuous uh, system. This is very easy to do, just like it would be easy to continually monitor pH. Pictured here is the YSI IQ SensorNet ORP probe uh, designed for continuous monitoring and water resource recovery facilities. Okay, with that, I will go ahead and turn it over to Ben to review some case studies. All right, uh, thank you, Laura. So now I'll go over a few case studies showing how customers have used ORP to monitor and improve their process. First, we'll start off with some example ap applications of how our customers use our ORP probes. 
Chlorination dechlorination is a very common application along with the control of effluent ammonia for chloramination formation. Aeration control for nitrification and even simultaneous nitrification and denitrification can be monitored to control with ORP. So moving to our first example, we will talk about the South Platte Water Renewal Partners in Inglewood, Colorado. The superintendent, Greg Farmer, a great YSI customer, was happy to tell us about their experience using our ORP probes for their chlorination dechlorination. The plant originally tried to run chlorination off of a chlorine residual analyzer and DPD grab samples. The analyzer at the time required continual operation attention while the DPD test kits would sometimes get interference. And it Instead, the plant implemented ORP to control their disinfection. Their system involved the implementation of ORP analyzers for both chlorination shown on the right and then dechlorination shown on the left. For chlorination, the ORP sensor shown on the right was designed to, set, to be set to maintain around positive 400 millivolts. Looking at the trend above, we have our ORP reading in blue, which bounces around 400 millivolts, while the red line represents their pre-chlorination ammonia. They found that they could maintain their desired chlor chloramine, uh, chloramine, chloramine <laughs> residual by both maintaining the positive 400 millivolts, but they must also keep their ammonia between 1.0 and 1.5 milligrams per liter. Now this next trend still shows ORP, but also shows the effluent total residual chlorine in red. This ORP technique allows them to maintain breakpoint chlorination, which for them was around one to 1.5 milligrams per liter DPD residual. Maintaining this level would result in E. coli levels of around one to three uh, CFU. And then as for dechlorination, they use sodium bisulfate to remove any excess free or combined chlorine not utilized in disinfection. This excess chlorine can harm aquatic plants and animals after discharge or form trihalomethanes. To achieve the correct sodium bisulfate dosage, a set point around 110 millivolts positive was used. Over the course of this process, the ORP value was decreased by about 300 millivolts to achieve proper chlorination and dechlorination. Now taking a look at their SCADA, we can review their process. On the influent, we can see they're maintaining an ammonia reading of just above one milligram per liter. In the mixing chamber, they're introducing about uh, 0.19 gallons per minute of sodium uh, hypochlorite. And at this point, ORP is around 400 millivolts. After the contact time, the water is then dechlorinated with 0.14 uh, gallons per minute of sodium bisulfate, uh, containing, uh, maintaining the ORP around 100 millivolt, 110 millivolts, which afterwards, uh, this water then heads to the South Platte River. In a different plant in Utah, ORP has also been used to keep effluent ammonia at about 1 to 1.5 milligrams per liter in preparation for chlorination. 
Their goal was to minimize aeration and chlorine at the end of the aeration basins to achieve proper chloramination production. And when measuring in the anoxic zone, uh, we can maintain our desired 1 to 1.5 milligrams per liter ammonia effluent by controlling aeration to keep ORP between negative uh, 200 and negative 270 millivolts. Now this last example is theoretical rather than a real that rather than a real customer, but it does demonstrate how precisely we can control intermittent aeration processes, such as an alternating continuous flow reactors or even the SBR as we mentioned earlier. Looking at our graph, the lines we want to uh, pay attention to are the ORP in red, the DO in green, ammonia as the blue triangles, and then nitrate as the orange squares. At the start of the cycle, ORP is negative, nitrate and DO are nearly zero, and ammonia is high, like we'd expect. When aeration is turned on, uh, DO and ORP begin to rise sharply as nitrification occurs. This decreases, this decreases ammonia and converts it into nitrate. We achieve the ammonia breakpoint when this ORP slope starts to tail off and then takes another sharp increase. At this point, nitrate is at its highest and ammonia is at its lowest, signifying the end of nitrification. Now, when aeration is turned off, DO and ORP begins to drop sharply. Once the rate of ORP de decreasing tapers off, we'll see another sharp drop in ORP, signifying zero nitrate and then the end of denitrification. In continuous flow applications, new water will have entered the system and the cycle will start, start over again. Now let's take a look at, at some real trends in both the aerobic and anoxic portion of the tank from a customer using YSI equipment in Rhode Island. First, looking at the aerobic portion, we can see that our ORP is being maintained between positive 400 to 200 millivolts. At this point, our ammonia is low, which is well below one milligram per liter, and our nitrate is higher, around two to four milligrams per liter, looking at the scales on the left. Next, we'll take a look at an anoxic tank in the system, and we should be seeing much different numbers, such as, the, such as a negative ORP value, low nitrate, and then likely an ammonia number above one. And here we are. We can see that our ORP is much uh, lower, fluctuating between negative 254 millivolts to negative 280 uh, millivolts. Our ammonia has risen a bit, fluctuating between seven and 3.5 milligrams per liter. And then finally, our nitrate is lower, down to almost one milligram per liter, since we are now in the denitrifying uh, process. As you can see, ORP is doing a great job of helping this plant monitor and control their nitrification and denitrification processes. And next, I'm going to talk a little bit about sensor care um, for our ORP sensors. So caring for ORP sensors is very easy. ORP typically only requires a one-point offset correction using Zobel's solution. This standard measures about two, positive 231 millivolts at 25 degrees Celsius. For cleaning, you would treat this sensor the same as a pH sensor. For the junction, 
just use running water and a soft brush to free the junction from any contaminants. And as for the platinum, uh, and as for the platinum measuring electrode, it would be advised to just use running water and then blot dry afterwards. If contaminants are hard to remove, such as grease, you can soak in household dish soap before cleaning. Occasional replacement of electrodes is required, but they should last many months to years. IQ SensorNet electrodes are warranted for six months. And one last tip, if you're using a combination pH and ORP electrode, like many of our spot sampling handhelds, you must make sure that the pH is clean and calibrated for the ORP to read and calibrate accurately as well. And now for some parting thoughts, I'll send it back over to Laura and uh, finish up. Great, thanks Ben. Um, so uh, some interesting data uh, from customers, so happy to be able to share that. We appreciate customers um, uh, uh, working with us to, to, to spread uh, more success stories about process improvement. Um, okay, so some parting thoughts before we get to some questions. Um, ORP, it's important to remember this stuff. So ORP is uh, relative to the reference electron uh, electrode used. Um, so the measurement may not be exactly comparable between brands if different electrodes are used either for measurement or reference. So keep that in mind. Second is ORP is not specific. It's not measuring one specific thing, right? It's measuring the combined potential of all these dissolved species. Um, so it can't tell you what species is there. It measures the potential of all dissolved species. So it's not specific. Uh, third, the accuracy of an ORP sensor is typically plus or minus 20 millivolts. Uh, this is normally uh, two orders of magnitude different than what you are used to with, say, a dissolved oxygen or pH sensor. So it is important to understand that readings within 30 millivolts of each other um, is well within the accuracy spec of the instrument and actually performing quite well. It's hard to get there when you're used to your DO sensor reading between 0.1 and 0.2 with each other and NPH as well. So just keep that in mind that the scale is different. Um, fourth, uh, the measurement response may be slow when the electrode is contaminated. So the even though it still works responds quickly in Zobel. So it could respond really fast in Zobel and then you take it out to the process and it could be slow. So just because it responds fast in Zobel doesn't mean it's clean. So if you're seeing slow response, that's um, usually caused by contamination of the electrode surface, either physical or chemical. Um, so go ahead and try that. And then uh, last, uh, ORP measurements uh, are affected by temperature but not corrected for it. So the temperature of the water will affect that voltage output of the sensor. And ORP measurements are not temperature compensated. This needs to be taken into account when you calibrate your ORP sensor. So when you calibrate, be sure to reference the temperature of your calibration solution at the time of calibration and calibrate to the ORP value at that specific temperature. A temperature chart, a temperature chart should be uh, provided with your calibration solution. Um, the reason ORP sensors are not temperature compensated is due to the fact that the temperature compensation would vary based on the species in the water. 
and therefore the temperature compensation would only be valid for a specific species and not useful uh, across species or applications. Um, usually though, you know, a large change in ORP, like more than 30, 50 millivolts are not due to the effects of temperature. So any big change is, is a real change in the uh, potential of the water. Uh, if you, here's some contact information. If you want to reach out to me or Ben, um, please feel free to contact us directly. Uh, uh, you can visit our website. There's a lot more resources there. Um, and our YouTube uh, channel hosts all of our previous webinars. And we have, uh, we have videos organized by subject. So you could go in there and watch all the, waste, all the wastewater related videos or all the process related videos and not have to hunt through maybe some of the other ones related to uh, surface water monitoring. Um, so that's organized pretty well if you want to uh, learn learn some more from YSI. Um, I think it's also important to know some of the uh, resources we use that weren't cited along the way were documents um, that, uh, that YSI has. Um, so a lot of the information we shared today can be found in existing literature that YSI has published. Uh, the case studies Ben reviewed, uh, most of them are available as application notes uh, and in our case studies brochure. Other resources include our application over overview for ORP monitoring and water resource recovery facilities. That is titled ORP Management in Wastewater as an Indicator of Process Efficiency. And we also have a tech note uh, titled uh, measuring ORP tips, cautions, and limitations. So a lot of what we reviewed can be found in those documents as well. Um, okay, so let's see if there are some questions that came in during the presentation and which we can address. Whoops, I don't want to end the slideshow. Oh, do we have any results of the poll? Um, okay, so the poll was, are you currently using ORP for process monitoring and control? We had 78% response, so we're C-plusers today. Um, but the results were, we have 40% yes, 50% no, and 10% not sure. I was about to say that's really interesting when I cut out. <laughs> Um, okay, so we do have some questions. Um, the first question is, what kind of cost is there associated with the replacement of the reference electrodes? So uh, what is the cost of that ORP electrode? Ben, do you know off the top of your head? We, sh we should know this. We're bad at sales, apparently. I think it's a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, it's uh, the ORP is for around four hundred. Four hundred dollars yeah. for the electrode replacement. For the online or for the online sensor. For the for online IP sensor, sensor IP yeah. sensor net, and the uh, replacement electrodes for the YSI portables they run about uh, two hundred dollars. So the portables are about two hundred. The IQ sensor net is about four hundred. Um, the IQ sensor net probes are warranted for six months, but could last uh, well over a year. Uh, the ORP sensors on our portable units are warranted for a year. Let's see if there's another question. We did have one question about uh, calibration. 
chat again. Okay, I'm back. Uh, how often should I calibrate? That is a Am I back? Okay, sorry guys. Uh, sorry about the audio stuff. Um, so how often should I calibrate is a million dollar question. Generally, these uh, these sensors uh, hold their calibration for up to four weeks, really. ORP is very stable. It can hold its calibration um, up to a month. If you are using a portable unit and it's combined with a pH sensor, uh, make sure you're calibrating that pH more frequently, maybe maybe once a week. But really, it's up to you. So what I always tell customers is start with two weeks, right? So calibrate it every two weeks. And if you find that that sensor has not drifted in two weeks, then you can bump it out to three. Uh, if you find that it has drifted a lot and needs cleaned, then you might want to bump it down to one week. So it's very application specific. It's best to start at two weeks, and then based on what you need for your application, how accurate you need it, how clean you need the probe, you can either go out or pull it in from there. Um, okay, another question. I think um, this is for Ben. Um, if your ORP is running negative 400 or lower, you are in the prime setting for fermentation. Does this interfere with phosphorus release? So this would likely, or the, it would likely not interfere with phosphorus release. Um, the phosphorus release and uptake is done by a specific bacteria that, uh, that they are called uh, phosphorus accumulating organisms. So they're a type of bacteria that um, specifically uptake and release uh, by OP. So if they are there, or if they are present in at this part of the uh, process, then they would not be or they would be able to uh, uh, process or uptake or release phosphorus as normal. So I believe that would be the I believe that would be the answer there. Right. Okay, we have a lot of questions coming in. We I won't be able to address all of these, um, but we have like five minutes left, so we'll we'll take as many as as we can. Um, so what kind of contaminants slow down ORP response? Um, there's anything, really. It could be a physical barrier getting to that uh, platinum electrode. Um, it could be just plain physical, or it could be uh, something on that electrode that uh, has its own potential that's interfering with the reading. Um, so there could be a lot of different kinds of contaminants that can slow your ORP reading down. Sorry, guys, we're reading through a lot of questions. Um, this next one, uh, do you have experience measuring ORP and combined processes, uh, i.e., uh, simultaneous nitrification denite? Um, is the ORP over 100 or between negative 100 and positive 100 or other? So, Ben, you want to tackle that one? So in this type of process, we, we would be able to, uh, ORP sensors would be able to help um, in monitoring for, or if you're, for instance, trying to um, keep, maintain simultaneous nitrification, denitrification. Um, there would be, this would be specific to your process, 
Um, so if you know that, if you find that uh, sweet spot for ORP values where you know that your process is working, um, then that's where you wanna maintain your ORP. So um, it would likely be someplace very close in between um, the nitrification and denitrification where that uh, where they meet. So around that positive 100 uh, level. Okay, uh, the next question, is there any in-situ cleaning device available for continuous monitoring? Um, yes, so, um, and it varies by manufacturer, um, but there should, there's usually secondary cleaning devices that you can add to continuous monitoring. We provide uh, air cleaning uh, with an adapter that uh, forces uh, air blasts on the uh, face of the, of the sensor. Um, and that can be programmed depending on, on the cleaning interval and the duration we need for your specific application. So yes, and it would uh, vary by manufacturer. There's one question related to comparing uh, laboratory measurements to field measurements. Um, and I would say the, so how accurate is performing ORP in the laboratory compared to the field? Should ORP analysis only be done in the field? Um, it's a good question. I've never, never been asked that before, but the first thing that comes to mind is the temperature effect. If you take it out of the process and you take it to the lab, that's, that sample is gonna change temperature. Um, so I would, I would worry about that. Um, and I would also worry about the chemical changes. You know, if, if you have degassing as that cup sits there, um, I would worry about that as well. So um, to get a picture of what's going on in your process, you're better off taking it uh, in situ uh, in the field. We have a question, what is the YSI analyzer controller model for the ORP sensor? Uh, the IQ sensor net has two controllers, either the 2020 3G or the, the, uh, the 282, 284 systems. The only difference between those two are the number of, of sensors you can connect to them. So it's IQ sensor net is the platform, the two controllers are the 2020 3G and the 282, 284 series. And then the probe is the, uh, the Sensolite with an ORP electrode. We had a question about how ORP probes are calibrated. That is done in a solution of, 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 of known ORP values. Uh, we use, we manufacture a solution called Zobel. Um, and it, it's about 225, 228 millivolts at room temperature. 
Um, and we sell that in various uh, sizes, depending on how much you need. It ships as a powder and you activate it with uh, deionized water. Uh, the warranty period from date, from delivery date or manufacturing date or delivery date, all of our warranty is based on delivery date, not manufacturing date. Um, so our controllers are warranted, our controllers and modules are warranted for three years. Uh, our probes are warranted for two. That probe is where the ORP electrode gets installed. And just keep in mind that electrode for ORP is warranted for six months. Uh, is it okay to reuse Zobel solution? In an ideal world, we would not reuse calibration solutions. So best laboratory practice is to only use it once. So in an ideal world, we would not reuse Zobel solution that came in contact with the probe. So that takes us to the top of the hour. Um, I really appreciate you guys attending. I hope uh, we were able to impart some knowledge on you and you learned something maybe you didn't know before, something that you can um, apply uh, 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 to, your, to your profession. Um, there are quite a few questions we didn't get to, so thank you for participating um, and getting these uh, questions into us. And uh, if we didn't address it on the phone, we will follow up with you directly. So I appreciate it and thank you and have a good day.